Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome to the Baseball Dads Podcast. The world of baseball and the youth and especially the high school game is changing so rapidly. These rapid changes are bringing about a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration for today's parents that are trying to bring their son up in the game. So the purpose of this podcast is to use the experience of dads who have already gone through this journey and have navigated it successfully so we could take aim at that confusion and frustration and knock it out. We're going to talk to these dads about what they did right, about what they did wrong, what they would do more of, what they would do less of, and they're going to give you their advice for today's parents that are going through this game. So stay tuned for today's podcast. And make sure you go to BaseballDadsNewsletter.com where you can get a free trial in our monthly Baseball Dads Newsletter. So without any further delay, let's get on to today's show. Hey guys, Paul Reddick here, another edition of Baseball Dads Podcast. Today uh, we have a, a guest I'm really excited to have on because he's got an amazing story to share with us, uh, Billy Higginbotham that's on the line. Uh, so Billy, welcome to the show. Thank you, I appreciate it. So why don't you, let, let's fill us in just just a few you know give a minute or two about tell us about you tell us about um, experience in the game um, and your son. Sure. Well, I've I've always been a uh, a ball player myself. Uh, I grew up playing ball. Uh, grew up in a very competitive family. Um, I actually played some semi pro ball. Um, really enjoyed it and. When my, my son came along, my firstborn, the uh, very first thing I thought was he's going to be a ball player. And, uh, right. and, he, and he was. You know, he, he's, uh, he's turned out to be a real good ball player. But there's been some uh, bumps along the way. Um, my competitive nature uh, growing up didn't quite uh, translate to his competitive nature. Not that he doesn't have it. It was just different. It was hard to identify. So, you know, that's the, it, it's the uh, the we've said it a million times in videos on this podcast is that I think the mistakes that we can make as parents is thinking that what motivated us motivates our children, or what motivates sure. somebody else motivates our children, or what inspires somebody else, or or you know, um, moves someone into action would do the same thing, and it's just not the case, you know. I would say, Dad, you know, you could, your kid could look just like you. He can talk like you and have a mannerism. You could call him Junior, but he's not you. You know, it, 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 right. I think that that's a challenge, really, that all parents face is how do we, especially today, because their brains are different. You know, kids are exposed to so many different things that it's hard for us, I think, uh, guys of our age, to even relate sometimes to where they are. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I come from a, you know, I come from a background, uh, you know, my dad, he worked all the time, um, so there wasn't a whole lot of ball playing. Uh, we raced cars, so I grew up, you know, learning how to fix cars and race cars, and that was all real competitive, and, you know, I had, uh, we worked from can to camp. you know, when the sun came up, we worked till the sun went down, and you couldn't see anymore, and then you still tried to work. And, uh, you know, I expected, I think that was some of the work ethic um, that I grew up with. Um, kids don't have that. Right. Not that they don't. It's just different. 
You know, we were. Right. I, I I grew up in a in a way where, um, you know, you had to get out and do something. Um, right. But it was all physical, and they they can use their brains a little more. So, you know, it's not that they're not thinking how to do it. Uh, that's it's they just don't uh, they don't always think someone will do it for them. They just can. Uh, kind of get by and that that's been some of the challenge i've had sure i i i i hear that all the time you know and and i think you said an important word there that it's not it's different you know it's not good or it's not bad it's it's different and um we can either accept that you know as our kids are growing up in a different world than we are um we can accept it and try and and help them through it or we can kind of, you know, there's, there's a group of people, and sometimes I find myself in that group that want to argue for the way things work, you know, and, sure. and, and we can make very good arguments, and we can be right and wrong about it at the same time, you know. Right. Where, where things, maybe were better, maybe they were easier, maybe they were simpler, maybe it was, you know, but maybe we're right, but we're wrong about those days ever coming back. You know, it, it's just the, it's just the way of the world now. So you, you shared with me an email that, um, you know, we, we get a lot of emails here, but this one, it, it, it hit me in, in, a, in a very significant way. And so my first question has always been, what's been the most challenging part of the baseball journey for you? And I'm so happy that you want to share this story. Um, well, let me, I'll let you tell, tell the story. I, I don't want to ruin it because I think it's sure. something that every dad and every dad that's listening to this, um, uh, you know, this is something that there's a, such a fine line um, between uh, uh, loving our children unconditionally, pushing them towards what they're talented or giving them opportunities, and I think we're all teetering, always teetering on the edge of that. So share, please share with us that, that story you shared with me. Now. Sure. So, you know, when he started playing ball, um, he uh, he would do everything he could to please me. And, yeah. and everything was great. Uh, we got into a situation uh, as he started progressing and I could see where his skill set was and, of course, um, I had the the attitude that uh, if anybody's going to coach him, I'm going to because, you know, I've done it, and and I wanted to make sure he learned it right. Well, that worked, that worked great for quite some time, and he was uh, – I was asked many times to start a travel team, and, uh, of course, we did. But during that course of, you know, working a full-time job uh, – coaching his league team, coaching his travel team. Um, he was getting all of my coaching, and something along the way changed. Um, and it actually it came to light. We were, we were playing a travel uh, showcase in, uh, in Shreveport. Um, he was always playing two years up. I, I had a travel team that, uh, he was 12 playing with 14 year olds and, and, um, 
one night uh, we we played Saturday, got to Sunday, got the championship game, and I saved him uh, to to pitch him. And um, you know, it's it's you look back at it, it's so funny. And I tell guys now that I coach with that that are friends of mine, he was throwing balls. He just he would he could hit everywhere but the strike zone. And I was doing the the typical coach dad thing, you know, you know, just get it over the plate, just throw a strike, you know, and and uh, I, you know, I, I yelled a couple more times, and and he uh, he stopped mid motion. We had a runner on first base. Um, he stopped in the middle of his motion, turned to me, and just unloaded. Dad, I'm doing the best I can. And I just, my heart sank. I, I stood up. He had these big, huge crocodile tears running down his face. And you've got to understand, this is a kid that you wouldn't want to play poker with because you never knew what his expressions were. You never knew what his feelings were. Um, right. He was always smiling. He was always, you know, I thought everything was perfect. But... Yeah. In reality, it wasn't. Um, I was putting a lot of pressure on him. He knew what I used to play. He knew my competitive nature. Um, and our kids are out there, and when they're young, there can be 10,000 people in the stands. They're looking at us. They're looking at mom, and they're looking at dad. And they really don't care about anyone else but us at that point. And he ended up finishing the game. Uh, I had no other pitchers to go to. We lost. Um, and, of course, uh, he rode over there uh, to the tournament with me, but he rode home with his mother. And my drive home was the most miserable, long drive of my life. I, uh, I was more upset with the fact that I basically talked to my best friend in such a way that it brought him to tears in front of everybody and and embarrassed him. I really didn't, I wasn't really worried about myself. And all I could think of was that's not going to happen anymore. Um, I'll never do that to him again. Um, I was concerned that it was going to put him in a situation where he didn't want to play the game. Um, I had to think, you know, for several days on how I was going to talk to him. Um, you know, luckily, kids are young. They know you love them. They know that uh, you want the best for them. But it's, uh, it probably, it definitely hurt me more than it hurt him. I actually talked to him about it, oh, not too long ago, if he remembered everything about the situation. And he's like, no, no, not really. And, you know, which is great, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, I lived it, you know, and, and it's, and I see him and I remember that. I mean, I can tell you the temperature of the, of the night, you know, I can tell you everything. Um, it had such an impact on me and someone brought it up to me a little while later that I coached him differently than I coached their son. Um, and I, I had to look at that as well as, you know, Maybe I'm coaching their kids in a way that I should be coaching mine. 
I'm expecting mine to know how I want him to throw the ball, how I want him to stand in the box, you know, how I want him to, you know, charge up a ground ball and, and all those things. It's expected because I only show him, you know, once or I show him twice, um, which, you know, now that he's older and, and you know, we played a lot of ball and I've coached a lot of teams, I look back and I think how ridiculous was that of me to think that of him. You know, I've seen guys who coach their own sons who've lost games to us and, and had their kids out doing push-ups beside the car. Um, and I, I, how furious that makes me. My situation with, with Mason was um, not having him do push-ups out beside the car, but it was still as impactful. You know, it still, it, it still hurt. And fortunately, uh, about a year after that situation, um, we were in a very similar situation, similar type game, uh, saved him for the championship. Uh, all the situation was all the same, and he was struggling. Um, he actually started out, boy, he was on fire. And he was throwing darts, and uh, he walked a runner, and uh, I got off the bucket, and I started walking towards him, and as I was getting towards him, um, and I hadn't said a whole lot. You know, I was calling pitches. He shook a few off. Um, I saw those big eyes. You know, he's just looking at me with these big eyes, and it didn't matter who was out there. He was focused on me, and I, I told myself probably 10 steps from him, and I, and I mean, think of it as, you know, you're pitching yourself and you're in the zone. Everything slows down. Well, that last 10 feet to the mound slowed down for me. And all I could think of was I just need him to relax and and just play and be a kid. And as I got to him, uh, one thing, he he loves cars. He he's, wants to design cars, anything about them. And as I went to grab his shoulder and turn him to look into the outfield, there was a Corvette sitting out on the fence out in the outfield, and he was looking up at me, and I said, hey, what kind of car is that out there? And he looked at me with these, this, like, disbelief, and he looked out in the outfield. He saw the car, and, boy, he spouted out what it was. I was like, huh. And I kind of, I just kind of laughed, and I said, well, don't let this guy hit it. And I turned around and walked away. And he looked at me, followed me all the way. He just watched me walk all the way back to the mound or to the dugout, and I sat down. And he relaxed. His demeanor changed, and he started throwing darts again. And we ended up winning the championship game. Uh, he had one walk. He gave up one walk, uh, pitched a complete game. He did great. And that, to me, was a huge turning point because it's not that our young kids aren't listening to us coach them as dads. It's how we handle what we're telling them so that they can absorb it because they're, they're hearing us. They're listening. They're hearing it. It's the amount of pressure that's put on them. And um, so I, I have a lot of friends. I, I do a lot of coaching still. Um, you know, I work, of course, a full-time job to the point my uh, my son's in high school. Um, he's doing fantastic. Um, he did not quit baseball. That 
that's one of my biggest fears is I pushed him so hard he'd want to quit, and he didn't, uh, which is great. Um, he's even come to me and told me he wants to coach, um, which is, I, I think, is awesome. Um, you know, he's he's doing well. But there's definitely, you know, there's definitely times where, you know, we can talk to our kids um, as parents, and, I, and I'll tell you, I love the competitiveness of the travel ball scene. Um, we do a lot of travel ball still, but that put a lot of pressure on me as a dad uh, because leading up, and one of the things I've mentioned, I wanted to mention to you was leading up to this, what I call meltdown uh, from him, the week prior, uh, I've always been really big on pitch counts. And not so much saying, okay, well, he's going to pitch 55 pitches or he's going to pitch, you know, 60. Um, when you have a child that's playing league ball and he's playing travel ball and he's pitching bullpen, um, I always looked at, I kept the number in my mind of a pitch count, but I also watched them to see if they were laboring, to see if, you know, they were starting to really struggle to throw the pitch because, you know, any kid who's got some competitive nature to them, they don't want you to take the ball out of their hand. They want it. And we had a game about two weeks prior to this meltdown where um, we were leading 10 to nothing. Uh, Mason was lights out. Uh, he was getting up close to his pitch count. I could tell that he was starting to labor a little bit. I think he was at like 50 pitches, 55 pitches. Uh, he'd had a bullpen session and, um, I, I made the choice to, to pull him. So when I pulled him, you know, five nothing lead and, and you're in the, uh, fourth inning, you're only playing six, your odds are you're going to win. Well, we lost. Uh, team come from behind when I brought in my next little pitcher and, and we just couldn't throw a strike and we lost the game. Well, two parents that are on my travel team were on my league team, and they were furious. So when we got into the travel situation uh, at this game that, that my son had the meltdown on, I had some outside parents telling me, don't pull him, don't do what you did in our, our league game. You know, he'll come around. And um, I allowed myself to be influenced. Um, I allowed that pressure to come off of me onto my son. And uh, I learned a lot. You know, like I said, that there was a few weeks there. There was a lot of, you know, baseball parent knowledge learned. Um, not that I would take it back because I've been able to use it to help other people, but I still cringe. You know, I still think about my son's face when I walked up to him, and it's it's something I'll never forget. And uh, it, it's it's really sad. You know, he, he doesn't think about it. He doesn't care. You know, he's like, Dad, you know, you're making something out of nothing. And I told him, you'll be a dad one day. You'll you'll understand. <laughs> so Right, right. Well, that was probably the best 15 minutes we ever had on the podcast, and I mean that. And before I uh, – I want to point out a few really important things that you said there. The first, I just want to say how much I admire uh, just how much – uh, courage and honesty it, it takes to, to share this because it's not easy, but, um, we were talking beforehand, um, 
I asked you how much you wanted to share, and, and you told me that you knew this story could help a lot of people. And uh, I just don't want to let that moment go without telling you how much I, I just admire that um, and, and your honesty in teaching it. But there's so many things you said there that are important I want to point out and get your commentary on it. No, I agree. Kids that are looking at you, you know, we, we say all the time that, you know, kids get to the, get to the end zone, they look in the camera and they say, hi, mom, and, and they hit a home run, they hit home plate, and they look at you. But they're also looking at you when they make that error. You know, they look at you when they, they kind of mess up and they're, and, and, you know, they want you to be there for them in those moments of celebration, right? That, that everybody is, that everybody's clapping for, right? They want to see that you're the one clapping the loudest. But it's those moments when things don't go well, you know? Absolutely. At you too, you know? And, and when they look over, they need to see, they need to see, you know, it's, it, as, as parents, it's easy to kind of describe the feeling. The look is not as easy to describe, but kids know it. You know, kids know when when they look over and, and they make a mistake, and you're and you're standing by them, and you're and you're giving them that encouraging look. Um, it, it, it's super important. And when you talk about the pressure that we put on kids, um, I think sometimes the pressure and the intensity of these games, the tournaments, that sometimes that look isn't there when things don't go well. You know, oh, sometimes that you know, kids make a mistake. They look over and they see a whole bunch of people, you know, upset about it. You know. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, and that's definitely something um, I I learned the hard way. Um, no. But I've learned, you know, and I and I've actually have told other people um, that you know, obviously, when they hit a home run or you know, they strike out the side. Um, they see the smiles on the face, they clap the hands, you know. Um, ask them to count how many times they've done that. They can't tell you. But if you ask them how many times, you know, has Dad been upset with you because you couldn't throw a strike? Unfortunately, they can probably tell you just about every time. Um, yeah. One thing that I did that that I definitely saw a, a huge surge and experience and growth in maturity for my son was um, there were times when he struck out and I'm cringing and as soon as I see him turning those shoulders to turn to look to see where I'm at in the stands you know if, if like when he's been in, in high school games or looking to see where I'm at my thumbs up smile on my face thought brother will work on it in the cage that's what I tell him. Um, yeah. Inside, I'm dying because I feel bad for him. I wish he hadn't struck out, right. you know. Right. But he doesn't dwell on it, you know. And, and that's – we tell our, our ball players all the time, you got to have a short memory, you know. Yeah. You can't – you know, so if we're going to tell them that in the cage when we're working with them and we're talking to them about, you know, a guy throws you a strike and you got to forget about it, well, then – we need to look at it ourselves and say, okay, listen, you know, because if when it all shakes out, at the end of the day, these kids are, are going to play t-ball, machine pitch, kid pitch. You know, they might, you know, some of them might go off and, and play travel ball. They might be on two or three travel teams like my son was. Uh, they get into high school, and then after high school it all stops. 
And at the end of the day, the person you're left with when you shake everything out is your child. He's your son, and the experiences that he learned will either make him love the game or hate the game. Um, my personal hope is that you have a child who loves the game because the game of baseball is the closest thing you're going to find to life. You will fail more than you succeed. Um, you know, me and my son have those conversations all the time. Um, but it has definitely been a, a, you know, a big learning experience when you can see them fail and look over at you uh, because you got to, in my situation, you know, we went from when he was younger he, and he would strike out, you know, I was the dad who yanked his hat off and I was the dad who, you know, kicked his foot. But I only did that with my son. When other kids would strike out on my team, I was their biggest cheerleader. And uh, it took a friend, you know, it took a, it took someone to point that out after his meltdown to say, hey, look, you know, do you realize this is what you do after he does it? Not when my son does it, because you never act like that. It's only when he does it. And, um, and you know, like I said, that that uh, hour and a half drive back from that tournament, uh, there was a lot of things swimming through my mind. I don't remember the drive. I just remember saying and making the, you know, making my mind up that I would never treat my best friend that way. And, uh, you know, I would hope that other dads listening can relate and look at it and say, hey, you know, there have been some things, you know, that I've said to him that I shouldn't have said. Because, um, like I said, at the end of the day, they're your kids, you know, and you don't want them. I I know of people whose sons played ball, fantastic ball players. They walked away from the game. They don't want to play anymore, and they don't have a good relationship with their father because of the game. That's insane yep. to me. You know, it, it, it's a game. And so, sorry, I, I rattled on there. I didn't mean to. No, no, we get that, you know, because that's something that's so important. And, and here's the thing. is Like we talked about before, there's such a fine line between we go into this, we want, we see our kids maybe have some passion for it, they have some ability for it. And so we feel like, hey, this is our job as a parent to step on the gas here and to make the most of our opportunity. I, I, I try and talk to dads that this is not like um, your kid learning math. You know, we don't we don't have that. If our kid comes home and he gets an A plus in math, we know that there is uh, a great grade school and high school and college and graduate school. There's this long line before he really has to go out and, and use math, you know, to really – do something. If he's got that gift in math, we know that there's a development trail to it. But with baseball, right. there's like this, this internal clock that's ticking. You know, that we know if he doesn't get to this level by this time or doesn't make the high school, you know, there's not, he's not going to be in baseball until he's 22. You know, there's not, there's not this guaranteed development program like there is if he has a special skill in math or computers or, you know, chemistry, whatever. You know, and, and so there's this, there's this clock. There's like this, this internal countdown clock that's running off that thing, and we don't know how much time is on this clock. That's the tough part about it is that we don't know. Is this a clock that's going to expire in a year, three years, four years, five years? And we don't know, so we, so we're, the pressure is to, Trying to run like a no-how offense and 
and do as much as we can right now. You know, but you said two more things I want to I want to hit on. Number one is when you went to your son on the mountain, you talked about the Corvette. That is a, a classic pattern interrupt, and that's what all parents and coaches can copy. So that is a um, uh, it's a very very uh, sound strategy to go out and to take your player's mind somewhere else. And the more the more kind of crazy you can make it, the better it works. The worst thing that we can do as coaches when we go to the map is that. Think about it that our kids are going down. When we go to the mound, our kids are driving down the wrong road, right? Our kids are driving down the wrong road. If we go out there with anger, aggression, or criticism, all we've done is we just push that accelerator to the floor on that wrong road. What you want to do is say, you're on the wrong road. Let's do a 180 and go the other way. And a 180 is a dramatic turn, right? So that's kind of like, so you use it perfectly, intuitively, um, something that everybody listening to can copy. And the last thing that, that I want to point out you said is that your son didn't remember the incident, which is, first of all, great, right? Because I know, Dad, we carry every mistake we make, you know, everywhere. Right. But right. here's the thing that I thought of. Later on, you were talking about the game where you pulled him and you lost the championship and the parents were upset. I wonder how many kids today remember that. <laughs> you know? Versus right. that, 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 you know, but if you had left your son in there and he had hurt his arm, well, he'd remember that. Absolutely. You know, where, where these, these, we get caught in these little pockets, these little moments of time that we think are so important and we kind of lose sight of the whole, uh, you know, the whole, the whole, the bigger picture, you know. Sure. Um, right. So this has been awesome. Uh, like I said, I told you, we do have some questions we use, but you kind of answered every question we had with that story, which is unbelievable. Um, I always ask this last question. You know, there's dad listening to this. Your son is doing well now. He's, he's in high school playing well. Um, you're kind of towards in the fourth quarter of this thing for, for you as a baseball dad. There's dads who are listening to this. We've got kids who are 7, 10, 12, 15, 17. What advice would you have for those dads that are listening, that are trying to um, get through this journey? Well, first off, uh, remember that uh, more than likely at your age, at, if, when you were their age, uh, you were not under the pressure that they're under. Um, Great point. You more than likely Great. were not pressured by your parents or other coaches. Um that's that's the number one thing. And the other probably most important thing is at the end of the day, be a dad first. You know, be the guy that that uh, they respect. Be the guy that they love. And remember, when you're talking to them, they are listening. Uh, they're not out there trying to throw balls in the dirt just to make you mad. Um, they're doing their very best. So... Remember, when it all shakes out, they're riding home with you. They're going to be thinking about Pokemon and all those other things <laughs> 10 minutes after the game. Right. So remember, what you're left with is is going to be lasting, and you want it to be something you guys can talk about when they're 18 years old, when they're you know 20 years old. So, uh, yeah, be a dad first. Be a coach second. Everybody can coach, you know. Uh, there are guys that will come out of the stands and and, uh, and let me put it this way. 
they will try to coach. <laughs> there are, there, right. but everybody's heart, you know, in that situation is usually in the right place. Usually, what happens is the coach's son is the one who gets the frustration for the lost, the, the frustration for making the mistakes that you know. Your son's playing third base, but little Johnny messed up on shortstop, and for some reason it's your son's fault. Well, <laughs> you know, remember, when it's all said and done, they're riding home with you. So, um, you know, just just keep that in mind because uh, all they want to do is make you proud. Well, I, I, I think articulating that the pressure that was on us is not on them, or, or the pressure that is on them was not on us is probably the best, one of the best things I've heard um, in this podcast. So, really, thank you so much for this. Uh, Absolutely. This is, this is easily one of the best things that we've ever done, uh, the best interviews. I know we, we struggled to find the time to do this, and I'm sure. so glad that we did. I'm so glad <laughs> that we did. So, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for being on and being a guest. I really appreciate your time. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, guys, it's Paul again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you got a lot out of it. We have so much more to come for you. And thank you so much for trusting us with your baseball education and also the development with your child. It's something that we take very seriously and really means the world to me and the rest of the staff here at Paul Rick Baseball and Baseball Dads Podcast. So thank you so much. We would love it if you would leave a five-star rating and a great review of this podcast. That's how it helps us get the word out about the podcast so that other dads can share in this information that we need so much. Also, don't forget to go to Baseball Dads Newsletter where you can get a free trial subscription in our Baseball Dads Newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I can't tell you what it means to us that you would tune in, and we're just loving bringing this information to you. So, again, thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads, and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to BaseballDadsBook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's BaseballDadsBook.com. Thanks.